Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. In this episode, it's our first stock watch of the season. Basically, what we do is we look at the last couple of weeks of college football and we talk about some players that moving up and down on our rankings. That's why we gave you guys the show big boards. That's why we had the rankings during the summer for this very purpose. We're highlighting 10 different names, guys who have had fantastic starts to the year. We're already trending upward when it comes to the 2023 NFL draft. I'm Trevor Sikama. With me, as always, is my co-host, Connor Rogers. Let's ring the bell. Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I'm Trevor Sikama. That is Connor Rogers on Connor, the very first stock watch of the season. We got real film, my guy. We're going over college football, and we are telling you what prospects had a really great week one, some stock up players, and some guys that, okay, didn't have the best start to the season, maybe a little bit of stock down, although we're not going to be too hard on them because it was week one. But, Connor, how are we feeling today, my man? Feels good to be back on a Tuesday, three shows a week. We are officially back. This is traditionally going to be our stock up show our more draft dedicated show i know everybody got the mock draft yesterday but obviously trevor and i will do uh, a lot of nfl coverage typically on on many monday shows tuesday we will really get to zone in on the draft and where everything stands and dude i know it's one week if you don't count week zero and which we it don't just, it feels like so much happens so much happened in the draft world and it's really exciting, and it's not just the quarterbacks, but the pass rushers, the O-line play. So you and I each have five stock-up guys. We're going to touch on some stock-down guys. It's it's kind of insane to just crush a guy after one week. No, but maybe, we're not going to do that. Maybe some things that were like, eh, hopefully this isn't a trend for the season. So I, I'm really right. pumped for today's show, dude. This is the best. This is this is what this show, this is, what the show was, is was made for, right? It's called the NFL Stock Exchange for a reason, and that's because we wanted to center around a lot of segments where we're talking stock up, stock down on plenty of things. And this one is straight to the heart. This is straight to the grassroots of exactly what this podcast is about, and it's stock up, stock down for NFL prospects. So my friend, I will I will give you the floor. I will allow you to start. You've got your five. I've got my five. Now, just to be transparent, we did talk about this beforehand. We, we're not surprising each other, but that's because yeah. I we wanted to make sure that we were giving you 10 names. We didn't want to have three you. or four of the same names so that we, we felt like we would be cheating you there more than cheating you on the emotion of the element of surprise. So who you got first? Who you want to bring to the table first? I appreciate you allowing me to take this one. It's Anthony Richardson, the quarterback from Florida. Now, I promise this show today, you're going to hear some names that you might not know much about or you might have never heard or uh, we haven't seen much of in the college football world, although Richardson fits that. We have not seen much of him, thanks to Dan Mullen. Uh, Trevor, I, I just this was so exciting to me, and I'll, I'll be honest with you, and you and I were texting about this Saturday. Like The way the day started was a little uneventful for the most part. It's one week. You don't care. I, besides App State, UNC, there, the games weren't overwhelmingly crazy. There wasn't necessarily... Uh, a performance like this where a guy that has so much to gain, a guy that we've heard about from the recruiting ranks for so long, j it just does it all. It's not even just the upset beating Utah, but with his legs, with his arm, the big plays, the clutch plays, he's fun to watch, man. And he, he's very different, I think, from the rest of this quarterback class where he's 6'4", he's at least 230 pounds. He looks massive i mean he's yeah. he's jacked he could take he, hits he's he could work up. off of hits he's yeah he's up. a big guy he's exciting man i want the anthony richardson rocket ship to take off this season right into the top five of the draft he's got the big arm i think the mechanics are clean the way he threatens the defense with his legs not as a take what's there but i'll take what's there and then get more make guys miss run through guys he's the whole package and it's got to be put together on a consistent base week after, you know, basis week after week. But we're judging off of one week of the season, and he did everything you could have asked him to in that one week. 
And I was really, really excited watching this guy so much that he was in the first round of our mock draft yesterday. I was a great start of the campaign for Anthony Richardson. And uh, you brought up you brought up Dan Mullen, which was the one time that you're allowed to bring up Dan Mullen. Yeah, in, never in, again. In a week. You only get one a week. You only get one oh, a week. So, uh, so, so you say so if you do two, then there's going to be some sort of punishment here on the podcast because uh, I can't my, my, my heart can't take that. But, you know, this guy was sitting on the bench last year. Dan Mullen was opting to play for the more veteran Emory Jones. Okay, I, maybe I understand him running the offense a little bit better. Anthony Richardson was still very green, and we even see it this this week, right? Mm-hmm. He's still very green at what he is doing. So those things make sense, but there's so much promise to what he brings to the table. I, we've said this already on this podcast before, but people keep bringing the name Cam Newton to the table. Out of respect for what Cam Newton became as a yeah. Trophy winner, national champion, NFL MVP. You and I kind of shot that one down, but I, we just we just got to calm down here. But that tells you the kind of ability that this dude has. Over 100 rushing yards this past weekend, over 100 passing yards, and you know, I'm looking at the PFF stats for him. He did have a turnover-worthy play. It was the third down. He was kind of just trying to make something out of nothing. Should have been intercepted, honestly, but it ended up not, so you don't see that on the common stat sheet. Didn't have a big-time throw, something that no. would categorize a PFF, but I will say, as somebody who watched every snap of this game live, there were plenty of really nice throws over the middle that he was making to move the chains, right? Getting throws yeah, on offense. time in this situation where their back's kind of against the wall and he's got to make a play with his arm, and he did those things. So even though we didn't at PFF categorize that as a big-time throw, he was taking steps in the right direction to be that kind of passer, I think. He gave you that rushing ability again, which you know that he's always going to do, but it's, of course, what he does with his arm that's going to hold the key to where he goes uh, in the 2023 NFL drafts, and honestly, how far Florida goes as a team this year. Without a doubt. I mean, let's be real. It's a kind of a dual storyline, and you and I are more on the draft lens, but there's a college football element to this where if he blossoms into being a superstar, that's going to take Florida places that not many people were projecting them to go this year. And, man, it, it was just cool. I mean, I, you guys know I don't really have uh, any kind of bias across college football. I just find myself gravitating towards liking what Billy Napier does wherever he goes. Uh, it's just, and this is the next stop. And I, once again, it's one week, but early returns are phenomenal. And I could not turn away from that game. I know you're a sick hat guy. Like every, like people in the comments have on the YouTube comments have, have uh, given you their praise on a lot of the hats that you wear. I'm going to get you a sick Florida hat. And you could be an honorary. And I would wear Florida. it. You could be an honorary Florida fan while they have Anthony Richardson. Who knows? I love it. it. I love it. First guy that I want to bring to the table, since you got Richardson out of the way, Jacob Cowling, the wide receiver from Arizona, man. Hell of a day this past week for Arizona. Had a 91 receiving grade, uh, nine catches, no, eight catches, sorry, 152 yards, and three touchdowns. My guy was absolutely on fire. So a little bit of background uh, for Cowling because we didn't really go over him when we had summer scouting. Redshirt junior transferred to Arizona from UTEP where he played the first three seasons. He had 1,300 receiving yards last year. So yes. this guy was kind of coming into his own, and we were hoping for big things for him. He's about five foot 11, 180 pounds, kind of that slot-wide receiver type. But, man, I loved what I saw from him. Outside yeah. of the box score, outside of the big grades, when I watched a lot of his key plays, when I got my hands on the All-22, dude, he just he's so smart. He's so yep. smooth. Spacing. He, the the more space you put this guy in, it feels like the more he is going to thrive. There is truly something to guys who know how to operate in space, and especially with a player like Cowing, who when you give him those two-way goes, right, when you get put him in the slot, give him enough space to where he can go left or right, he can go in or out, man, he can make defenders look silly. I love the way that he ran his routes as well. Very rounded. Wasn't necessarily a put my foot in the ground, boom, like a jagged cut to the route. Now, sometimes guys do that, and it's very effective for separation. But Cowling was just so smooth. He kept his momentum throughout all of his routes, whether they were short, intermediate, deep, whatever it was. And he was rounding out his routes, it felt like, to get the most separation out of defenders no matter where he was in the stem. So it just from watching him this past weekend, you could tell such a smart wide receiver. If he's healthy for this entire year, he's going to have a 
crap ton. Yeah. And that is a scientific measurement there. A crap ton of yards and stats all around. And he's going to be one of the highest graded wide receivers that we have at PFF. So look out for Jacob Cowling. If you guys haven't looked, if you guys haven't seen him yet, we relied on him in summer scouting. I think we did mention him, but I don't, he wasn't in either of our top five. So this is a player that's definitely on the rise already in this early season. And I think that's going to be a little bit of a theme of especially today's show, but some stock early stock watch shows is you and I kind of laid off of overreacting to transfer players before seeing them play at their new school. And, and this is the age we're living in, folks, where it's a really good thing. Guys that were under recruited or developed late that explode at a small school are now taking advantage of the opportunity to play against a higher level of competition. And you and I had a lot of those guys on our list this summer. We were more waiting to see what they do with that opportunity this season rather than trying to evaluate them to that next step. And Cowling mm-hmm. absolutely fits that bill. What a start for him. And I'll throw one right back at you, Trevor. Jared Verse, the edge rusher on Florida State. He transferred from Albany. That is, I am an alumni of Albany. So I, I've known a lot about this guy. The fam? Yeah, there we go. Great day to be a great Dane. But seriously. <laughs> Dude, whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. What a motto. Yeah. It's a great we're, day to be a great Dane? Yeah, we kind of like, it was more became a joke by the end of my tenure there. But Yeah, but you could put that on some merch. You could oh, sell that deal. phrase 100%. That's the deal. Yeah, oh, okay. they got a newer logo. It's more that's of a great. fierce looking Great Dane than a happy Great Dane. And they still got rocked by Baylor 69 to 10. So okay. we, don't, <laughs> um, we don't got to bring that part up. We could just stop no. at them having a cool, a cool slogan. So Jared Verse, as a redshirt freshman last year, has double digit sacks for Albany, was unblockable at that level, was one of the more high profile guys in the portal uh, this offseason. He goes to Florida State. You've heard this story before. You ever hear of Jermaine Johnson, a guy at a, you know that <laughs> that transferred to Florida State to rush the passer? Heard of him? But verse now, obviously, there's a big projection here coming from that level of competition. So Trevor, his week one game, he they, he did have a week zero game, but looking at the week one game against LSU, five hurries, two sacks, seven total pressures. Winning 27% of his pass rush snaps out of having 37 That's very them. high. That's very yeah, high. Very high. The week before, he was winning at a 42% clip. Okay, yeah. that's 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 unsustainably stupid yes. high. But yeah. still. For, for people that have been riding with us for a while, we went over these with Kayvon Thibodeau, Aiden Hutchinson. If you're even sniffing 20%, like that's you're, elite. Yeah, it's you're elite. You're winning a lot. You're winning so, a lot. So, verse, and it's crazy. Like the buzz I've heard about this guy not only after the LSU game, but before the LSU game, the buzz in the scouting community, whether it's teams opening their eyes to them or agents that have to be all over this because they need to, to sign these guys and mm-hmm. project. They're doing the same thing, scouts and agents. They're projecting who the top guys are going to be. This dude is is going to be a big tester. He's got length. He knows how to rush, and he's got a big motor. He's still learning nuances like read and react against the run, setting a hard edge getting to a program and putting on more and more strength but he's got pass rush tools and he's got a pass rush motor and it just felt like trevor so much of that lsu game he took over he blocked a kick i, I mean one of would... one of what felt like a handful because lsu wouldn't play special teams last wild. night i don't know why but truly truly wild that's coaching um, that's coaching yeah and then the coach runs that whole team over the bus Brian Kelly, unbelievable press guy. We don't have to go there today, but you know how we feel on this pod. But Jared Verse, man, I, I can't wait to see what he can do because the the conversation for him was constantly, what is he going to do against a, you know, a real Power 5 team? And he whooped the crap out of LSU. And if he just does this all year, he was somebody as a redshirt sophomore this year. I was like, okay, 2024, he might be a big-time prospect. If he's this far ahead on his trajectory of development at Florida State, he's going to be in the draft this year, and he's going to be a name in this edge class everybody's going to be well aware of. Hey, it's a great day to be a great Dane. You know, that's all That's all I have to say about that. That's all I have to say about that. He, he was awesome. He was oh, awesome last man. night. Uh, I saw you tweeting a little bit about him before the game. Obviously, it makes a ton of sense because you know his background very well with him coming, yeah. coming from Albany. But I'm even impressed though like i wasn't expecting that i want to be clear he it's, was good he was good he man. was really Had a good. couple of nice clean uh nice clean wins that i saw when i was watching that game live haven't seen the all 22 of him yet but certainly now that you mention him I'll, I'll definitely get to yeah that. my next guy a very familiar name 
one Joey Porter Jr. That's right. The name is exactly what you think it is. Son of Joey Porter, the longtime Pittsburgh Steelers linebacker. Joey Porter Jr., if you missed it last week, he plays cornerback for Penn State. Penn State uh, went up against Purdue last week when college football was beginning. What was that, Thursday night? Was that Friday night? What was that? One of the two. Can't remember. It was one of the early games. Lines up six foot two. He's an outside cornerback, okay? Six foot two, 200 pounds. So already, right off the bat, you love the measurables. He's checking the boxes there. Redshirt junior, so he's draft eligible. 86.3 coverage grade this past week, which is which was shocking to me because I knew he gave up some catches. He ended up giving up six catches for 66 yards. And I'm like, how in the world did he grade out an 86.3? 86.3 coverage grade is really great. I know a lot of people look at PFF and they they try to they try to break up PFF grades into like the, the grading system that you had in like high school or college or something where you go like, okay, 90 to hundred is an A, which is an elite grade. Like 80 through 89 is not an elite grade, but it's very good. It's not exactly that cut and dry for every position. You could use that as a base, but coverage grades are tough. Like it's really hard to grade well in coverage just because the assignment, the job is so yes. difficult. So for, Porter to have an 86.3 grade, that's a damn near elite coverage grade while giving yep. up six catches. And the reason why, six forced incompletions. Seven if you count plays that were no plays, That yep. you know, whether it's a jump off sides or something that didn't count, a holding play or whatever it is. So he had six forced incompletions that were actually counted on the books for plays that mattered. Now, when I went back and I watched his tape, it's great because what I wanted to see more from him this year was that confidence with him playing with that length and that bigger size, okay? Be able to dominate dudes, get get hands on guys, suffocate dudes, overwhelm them. I didn't see enough of that last year. It just didn't feel like he was confident and comfortable enough at the gifts that he had, which are his length. Now, I will say, something that I loved in the Purdue game is very early on, he gave up a catch pretty easily to an inside move, a little slant play where it was just a little quick cut. Guy got inside of him. Boom. There it is. Quick catch. I think it was a for a for, for first down. I don't think he gave up a slant catch the rest of the night. Yeah, I think he adjusted. Competitive. I think he adjusted very well to it. And if he did, it was one, it was one. And they targeted him a lot on that. Cause you could tell that was Purdue's game plan. They were like, this guy is big, but he can't flip the hips. Let's hit him with a quick inside move all yep. the time. And they tried that early on. It worked, and then it really didn't because Joey Porter Jr. was able to adjust from it. Uh, he had a really clean, beautiful, picturesque textbook pass breakup on one of those routes, too, where he was able to anticipate, flip those hips, keep one hand just like barely on the back of the wide receiver, and then when the ball was coming in, he swipes the other hand over right in front of the body, knocks it away. It was beautiful. It was a thing of beauty. So you love to see Joey Porter Jr. playing with that kind of a, a kind of confidence. He's going to go up against some really nice receivers in the Big Ten playing at Penn State. And so th- this was a really, really good first test for him. Uh, he's a guy that did not make t- my top five when we were doing summer Same. scouting, but a player who is definitely stock up after the way that I watched him play against Purdue uh, to start college football season. He had multiple teach tape plays of just – staying in phase and breaking on the ball at the perfect time and and trevor i was shocked that they just kept going at him over and like dude i think it was 14 targets i knew it was double digits it's crazy all right actually actually now that i'm looking now that i'm saying that right now i'm gonna look to see if that was the most targets any corner faced this week that has to be up there it would i put it in the top three of the week it's gotta be crazy crazy how often it's gonna take it's gonna take me a second to get this so you want to go on your next guy no, when you look at him, though, he's somebody that people knew about. So surprised for me to see them come into that game and think that he was the guy to go after. And he, the when you live up to that test, it's highly impressive. So, all right, I will move on in that case because I'm I'm going to be quick on this one. We talked a decent about this guy on on the mock draft show without actually picking him. It's Georgia tight end Darnell Washington, and it's not for the highlight that everybody saw the catch and run bowl through everybody and then jump over somebody it that was awesome don't get me wrong when you're 6 7 270 and you do things like that you're from outer space but the all 22 of him blocking is tremendous and it can be off the line of scrimmage it can be on the line of scrimmage they play him as a big slot he is a good blocker on the move he's a good blocker in the trenches um it's this guy really is a rare tight end that 
can do any role and there's there's just not really tight ends like that anymore for the most part in this league you know to find a guy that really doesn't give any ground in the line of scrimmage but also is a legitimate threat as a big slot more of that h kind of tight end it's it's huge for him that they have trust in him to do that for a program that is top class right now darnell washington is somebody that almost became an afterthought because of how much talent is in that room at this program and he's somebody that in his own way is carving out just a huge role in this draft to be you know not he's not michael mayer okay but can he be a top five tight end easily easily can be a top five tight end because of how rounded his game is the size and athleticism he possesses with it as well 14 targets for joe absurd absurd number number one in uh, in college football, I don't think he'll see double digits the rest of the year. Not a chance in hell do I think that he's going to see double digit targets the rest of the year. You're totally right. But getting back to Darnell Washington, it was great to see him get in the passing game, and that's something that Todd Monk, yeah. the offensive coordinator at Georgia, really likes to do. I remember when oh, I was Monk's covering fun man. I know you know all about him. Yeah, I was covering the Tampa Bay Buccaneers uh, back in 2017, 2018, 2019 when he was the offensive coordinator there when Dirk Cutter was the head coach and. They love their tight end offense, man. They had Cam Brayton, OJ Howard, and um, even Anthony Auclair was a third tight end that they love to bring in the game. They played a ton of 12 personnel, some 13 personnel as well. Todd Munkin is not afraid to run an offense through the tight ends when he has those big boys there. He loves the versatility. He loves being able to play a lot of different sets with those kinds of guys on the field. And so with Darnell Washington, when we talked about him during summer scouting, my big thing was, yeah, I love the player for what he is but I thought that he was just being used exclusively as a blocker for a reason. Yep. Now we saw him get a little bit more attention in the receiving game in week one than I feel like we did at any point last year. So it'd be very interesting to watch the development of Darnell Washington and how much he continues to be a potential emphasis point in the passing game. Cause we know he's going to be on the field, right? He does the, the little, he does the little things. Well, he blocks very well, in order to be on the field at all times so they can check all those boxes. Now, now it's just a matter of, okay, do we have them start blocking and then have them slip out off the line of scrimmage late, have Stetson Bennett, have his little security blanket right, right there. Maybe he's a split zone kind of a player where he's coming behind the line of scrimmage before or after the snap. So I think there's a lot of different things that you can do with Darnell Washington once he becomes that receiving threat. So I'll stick with Georgia. I actually have two Georgia players. I'm glad you are, because I have a a Todd Munkin quote I want to read. But but it has to do with what you're going to say, so go ahead. Okay, Uh, I'm going to go with Kenny McIntosh, the running back from from Georgia. Senior running back, 6'1", 210 pounds. Career highs, I looked this up, career highs before this year. Just 328 rushing yards and 242 receiving yards. Both of them were last year. So he was kind of coming into his own a little bit last year, but it was still a crowded running back room in Georgia, as it always is. I think Georgia's Mm -hmm. got a uh, strong claim at the RBU title that everybody likes to throw around there. But in this game, McIntosh, nine receptions out of the backfield for 117 yards. 125 yards after the catch, which means he was catching a lot of swing passes behind the line. Alvin Kamara game right there. And still getting a ton of yards there. Uh, When he was rushing the ball, only a 66.3 rushing grade. He only had 18 yards on the ground, but he was more of that receiving type, 91.9 grade, which was extremely impressive. Georgia loved getting this guy involved in the receiving game. They even, I watched a couple of plays where they would motion him out from the backfield into the slot. Now that's something that we talked about and praised Bijan Robinson for, yep. right? A guy who we have as RB1 in this class and Kenny McIntosh, they weren't afraid to do the same thing. Take him out of the backfield, move him in the slot, especially when you know that he's going to be matched up maybe against a slower linebacker, maybe a smaller safety or slot defender that might be in that area, whatever it is, they certainly weren't afraid to do that. And he continued to give them a heavy, healthy return on investment every time they got him the ball. So really high PFF receiving grade. He clearly is going to be that guy out of the backfield who they could just dump the ball off to and he can make magic happen because he made magic happen a lot this past weekend against Oregon. I think there was one play where he, he broke like three tackles or had like three three missed tackles on one single play, which was extremely impressive. It was his best play of the day, the one that he gained the most yards. So very, very impressed by a senior running back. We don't often say a lot of praise for these upperclassmen running backs because it feels like the good ones leave the second they get draft eligible but 
very happy that Kenny McIntosh getting involved and we're seeing some really good skill sets from him. Tough place, though, to get on the field. So if a guy stays right, around, it's, true. it's, true. it's like, true. okay, he, he still might be very talented, and that was huge for him. Another guy that was generating a lot of buzz. Uh, you might have been here when this quote was spoken. That's what makes me laugh. Todd, from Todd Munkin a couple years ago. Okay. I like having fun. I don't know why it has to feel like such drudgery all the time. Who needs more five-yard plays? How can we be explosive? That's what the game is about, man. People like big plays. I like big plays. That's a beauty. That's, that's what you got to say when Jameis Winch is your quarterback, baby. You just got to steer all the way into it. Uh, why it has to feel like such drudgery all the time. Hey, that was, I'll, I'll tell you though, for as much as uh, Todd Munkin and I would say more so Dirk Cutter, just because I think both sides of the ball, he couldn't get things figured out. And that's ultimately why he was, he was, he was out in Tampa. They had offense, man. With those receivers they had, those tight ends they had, Jameis Winston, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, OJ Howard, Cam Brate. I, they put up serious stats. That was also when like Deshaun Jackson was on the team for a little oh, bit. Oh man, it was crazy to watch. They put up some serious stats on that team. So uh, I am also a big Todd Munkin fan. Before we get to uh, your next guy that you want to shout out with a little stock up, got to talk to the people about our friends over at DraftKings sports book the official sports betting partner of the nfl bet just five dollars on any football game and you can get 200 free bets instantly now everyone can also experience the thrill of DraftKings early win promotion if the team that you bet on gets up seven points you win boom no questions asked bet on any team in the nfl of your choice and if that team gets up by seven points at any point during the game you get paid instantly on the spot even if the team loses the game outright at the end DraftKings is safe secure and reliable best of all you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want download the DraftKings sportsbook now use the promo code pff and get that 200 free dollars in bets instantly when you place a five dollar bet on any football game that's code pff only at DraftKings sportsbook 21 or or older in most eligible states but age varies by jurisdiction. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for terms and resources. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in Tennessee. Call or text the Tennessee red line at 1-800-889-9789. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. One per new customer, $5 minimum wager. The $200 are issued in 825 free bets. So you get to, you get to play around a little bit more when you get the, uh, the eight free bets. Connor, who's next for you? All right. This one, he was briefly mentioned on our Edge Pass Rush show, but not in our rankings. He's had a long road since being a five-star recruit. This is his fourth stop in college football, Trevor. And I want to make sure I'm pronouncing this right. This is how the Michigan page is telling me. Yabi Anoma. Yeah. Yabi Anoma. I mean... It's cr- Trevor, I feel like he got to Michigan like three days ago. Did you see this? He, he This was announced so late, first off. and When did he get to Michigan? I thought it sounded like in August. Wow. <laughs> so much. I'm pretty sure when we did the pass rush show, he was not at Michigan. I want to make that very clear. I'm, I'm positive on that. I'm going to look it up. You so, keep talking about it. I'm going to look it up. Five-star recruit that was originally at Alabama. I believe he had some trouble there and ultimately either left the team or was um, dismissed from the team. Went to Houston. August 28? No, August 8th. That's very late. That is very late. That is extreme. They they literally just stuck a jersey on this dude. Yes. And he played. Boy, did he play really well. Wow. Wow. (laughs) So, okay, I finally pulled him up in my actual doc for notes. Dismissed from Alabama program after freshman season for violation of team rules. He was the fourth overall ranked player in the 2018 recruiting class. Fourth. Dismissed from Houston program after sitting out the 2019 season due to violation of team rules. Then he ends up at UT Martin. Now he is at Michigan. And my goodness, what a debut against Colorado State. Yeah. Very talented guy. He had a sack. He had two other hurries. The film is legit. He he explodes off the ball. A very, very explosive player. He has power. He has burst. Um, I was, you know, I know Jim Nagy 
tweeted out the clip of him, uh, the sack he got, that the Senior Bowl is really watching him. This is someone that, you know, I wanted him on the show because stock up is real. We, I mean, 2018, this dude was supposed to be a, like, why couldn't he be a, you know, if not Will Anderson, a top 50 kind of pick a year ago or something like that. That's the kind mm-hmm. of talent he's always had. And mm-hmm. he was recruited by Alabama because he's the fourth overall player in the country. It's been a long road. I wonder what and now he has the chance to make up for he has the chance to make up for all that right now and it was a hell of a start for Michigan they showed that he's going to be a big part of that front seven rushing the passer and I think that I I kind of wanted to put him on the show because I want people to know like this guy isn't like a small school out of nowhere under recruited guy this guy was supposed to be a premium future NFL talent and it has not worked out in a couple places but his debut on the field for Michigan was big time. And if it works out there, he is going to skyrocket up boards and into fringe round one versions of mock drafts. I'm, I'm looking this up on 24 seven because sometimes for like the really big players, they'll do full scouting reports out of high school. Mm-hmm. I don't think they have one. I was hoping it would say like, who's his cop? Miles Garrett or just like yeah, something yeah, right? stupid, which is not, which 24 seven normally does not do that. They, they are decently realistic with okay. the, with the things that they say. So they don't they don't have one up there. So we don't have it his, for him. But his grade uh, is a point nine nine eight seven for them. So damn near. I mean, he's almost he was almost considered like the perfect recruit in terms of just that defensive end talent. Extremely talented. I mean, we saw the flash to that. If you watched the Michigan game at all, I only watched it live. Didn't watch didn't watch the all twenty two. But I saw the sack live. I was actually watching it with a uh, Michigan. Fan who works for PFF, David Salfaro, big shout oh, out to him. He is uh, Mr. Michigan right dude, there. He 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 loves him. Diehard Michigan fan, and so he was telling me all about. Um, he was telling me all about the Yabby? team every time I got, but yeah, every time oh, I got okay. to play. So Love I knew it. a little bit about him, but now I got to know a lot more about him, especially if he stays at Michigan and he becomes a uh, serious draft eligible prospect. I'm gonna go back to. I'm gonna stay on defense. I'm gonna go back to to, to Georgia because I feel like I had to. If we got out of the show without mentioning Chris Smith, the safety from Georgia. It would have been an absolute travesty. Okay. Sure. Fifth year senior from Georgia. So you would think, okay, Georgia's an NFL draft factory out here. If you're making it to your fifth year as a senior, you're probably not that great. But that's not the case for Chris Smith. Okay. He started, he started opposite Lewis Seen last year. And Lewis Seen got a lot of the buzz, but man, this first game, Chris Smith might have been the most imp- impressive player there. Five foot 11, 195. Defensive grades during the Oregon game 92.2 overall defensive grade, which is an elite grade, an elite coverage grade of 91.0, which crosses that 90 threshold, and a 71.8 run defense grade. This dude had some of the best plays that we're going to see from a safety this season. I'm not kidding. And it started with an unbelievable run fit that he had where the running back was handed the ball, so much space in front of him, and Smith had to close down from about 17 yards out, comes in like an absolute missile, so fast that you would think this player is running recklessly at the running back, he's going to dive at the ankles, and he's going to miss the tackle. And instead, he is running full speed, puts the running back between the shoulders, and buries him in the backfield for a tackle for loss. An extremely impressive run fit for a player as small as he is as a defensive back. I think you see some plays like that from linebackers that are fearless and have a lot more meat on him. But this dude just went straight in between the shoulders, stopped the running back cold. Ext- really impressive play there that it only goes on the stat sheet as one tackle. But that tackle, I think, holds so much weight because of what he was able to do there. He also had the interception on Bo Nix where it was a cover seven play. They're dropping back in his zone. Nix is staring at the seam pass, looking that way all the way, lets it fly. Chris Smith breaks on it immediately, picks it off, takes it deep. So he had those two massive plays there. And he also had a third mass. He had a third huge play. And it was the play where all hope looked lost for Oregon. Bo Nix lets it fly 
It's probably incredible his, sentence. It's Bo probably it fly. his best deep ball that he had all day goes to an Oregon wide receiver that you think is wide open, but Chris Smith is playing his single high role so well that he comes in and meets the wide receiver at the exact point that the ball is coming to him right there for the catch, knocks it, knocks it loose to the wide receiver. And so it's not even the one good play. It felt like Bo Nix had all day. Chris Smith was there to stop it. This dude was all over the field playing a robber role, playing a single high role, coming downhill. He was so impressive, and I, I am moving him up big on my safety boards already. I don't want to overreact too much, but like sure. he checked so many boxes for me in that one singular game. So if this guy has even close to that same consistency over the next couple of games, we're going to be talking about him as one of the best safeties in this uh, in this draft because this game is is one of the best that we'll see from a safety, no doubt. That's a great shout out because that's one that, you know, obviously somebody that wasn't insanely productive or anything last year where we were all over him. And when you evaluate a prospect this early in the year, like a, a player like Chris Smith that is playing so deep on the back end, you really do need that all 22 to go back and look at the kind of range he had, the things he was doing. Um, so last year, you know, you look at it, he played, he did play 420 snaps for that championship defense, but this year, it just we, looked like a like, totally different player in that right, game. Right, like you know, it kind of looked like he was part of the ride last year. Yeah, you're right, yes. Trevor. That th this week one, it was like, no, I'm out here to, like you said, we saw Lewis Seen do that a lot last year. Where it's like, no, I'm gonna go make plays. I'm gonna actually change the tone of this game. So, pretty awesome. Love that shout out. All right, last stock up for me before we get into a couple stock downs. Minnesota center John Michael Schmitz. Ooh, your guy. I mean, uh, this dude just. I know it's New Mexico State, but I'm evaluating traits in this, not level of competition. He dominated. He dominated. And he had really good film, you know, before this season. So it's not like he's out of nowhere. But I just look at a lot of the centers we've evaluated over the last couple of years. This dude's a little different where he's 6'4", 320. He's a big center. He's more that Frank Ragno style center than mm -hmm. the more compact, lighter guys, whether it's Linderbaum um, whether it's Cam Jurgens, this dude's a unit, but he moves really well. The grip strength is is incredible. He had a couple finishing blocks that uh, just he destroyed people. He can get to the second level. He can pull. He can uh, factor the game wide downhill. He's going to be one of the best centers in this draft this year, and I think that he's someone that probably could have declared last year, but if he takes his game to a new level this year, goes through that All Star game process there's going to be a lot more buzz about him where there wasn't much pre-draft buzz or pre-draft declaration day buzz for him last year. Maybe that's why he stayed. Mm -hmm. So when you turn on that run blocking film from the New Mexico State game, you see a center that can execute in any run scheme and just the size he plays with, but the ability to also still have the movement skills was really, really impressive. I didn't get an O-lineman in here, so I'm glad that you did. I'm glad we got an O-lineman. I had to get one. I was going to do Broderick, but... I didn't want to go too chalk. What Roderick he, looked he looked he, really good. Did he look really good? Oh, he, he did. He he didn't he didn't completely uh destroy in the run game like I think he will over time, but he was so clean in pass pro, so clean in pass pro that he looked good, but but John Michael Schmitz looked great. Look, looked phenomenal in this game. Love to see it. Love to hear it. Last, last one for you. Last guy for me. This one I I know that this will make uh some people happy because they were I read more than one comment of people who wanted to see this guy on one of our top fives when it came to our running back list. Auburn running back, Tank Bigsby. Mm. Tank Bigsby, lining up at six feet tall, about 215 pounds. He's going up against Mercer, okay? I get it. It's Mercer. But he played really well. 147 rushing yards on 16 carries. 91.7 rush grade, which was the best in the FBS this past weekend. He was the highest graded rusher that we had in the FBS in our grading system. And the reason is 13 forced missed tackles in a single game. Absolutely bonkers. Nuts. That is wild statistics that he would have 13 forced missed tackles on 16 runs. Okay, remember... Right. Yeah, the, the ratio insane. that's that's somewhat near averaging a forced missed tackle per carry, right? 
Bijan Robinson had like a 0.42 last year, and that was the highest mark in all of the FBS. So that just puts into context how incredible that performance was from Tanks Bigsby. After watching the film of him uh, getting to see all the plays that went into this grade, man, when he gets daylight, he's shot out of a cannon. His athleticism really is special. If you give this dude a running lane, he is putting his foot in the ground and he is going up and he is going up fast. He looked clearly more athletic than basically everybody on the field, including the rest of his teammates that were at Auburn. So you love to see that. Just such an explosive player. The balance looked better. You know, that was a big area of concern that I had when we went over the running backs for summer scouting. As I said, I like Tanks Bigsby, but I just feel like he didn't play with enough balance. He plays a little yep. bit out of control at times. And then another area that he Pull still needs to get around. better at playing between the tackles, right? A lot of his biggest and best runs, the best plays come from when they're tossing him out way towards the line or to, towards the, um, towards the sidelines, excuse me. And when he had to play between the tackles was not nearly as effective. There were a couple of times when the initial hole was, was clogged up and he didn't exactly know where to go. He didn't exactly know where to pivot and they'd be like, ah, okay, I'm just gonna, I gotta bounce it all the way outside. And you don't always have to do that. It just feels like he he just he needs to still be more effective between the tackles. And when I say that, I understand that between the tackles play has a lot to do with the offensive line as well. It's it's about the offensive line getting to their keys and 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 opening up the run lanes and all of that. But still, there are plenty of running backs that you see. I'll use Bijan Robinson as the example. Uh, there were a couple of plays this past weekend that I remember seeing from Bijan where the initial hole ain't there. And he's yep. able to put his feet in the ground and hop to the left a couple of times and he finds where that hole then opens up and he has that kind of patience. He has that kind of vision. I don't see that level of vision yet from tanks Bigsby. If we continue to see really great play for him and it becomes in, in between the tackles as well, then we're checking a lot of different boxes for this guy as one of the most explosive backs uh, in college football. So it was great to see him doing what he does best. I just want to see it between the tackles. And of course I'm going to want to see it against a better opponent too, but really great. We started the season for tank Bigsby. No, that's awesome. I remember over summer, you and I were lower on him than a lot of people expected us to be. And the things you and I were looking for improvement was that consistency in between the tackles and ball security. He did have four fumbles in 2021. That's right. So, yeah. Yeah. So the, I pulled up my notes to be like, why were we low on him? Um, and like you said, now it's monitoring it against better level of competition. All right. Is it time to move into the uh, the not fun part of the show? Yeah, let's do the honest part of the show. I, I feel I feel bad calling it stock down. Maybe maybe we don't call it stock down quite yet, but it's just uh, we're stock treading water. We we're, we're we're monitoring these players' stocks yeah. uh, as for what they are here. So who's the, who's the first guy that you want to bring up? We'll call it overreaction Tuesday. My first one here is Devin Leary, the quarterback from NC State, and you know they they had a sweaty game against East Carolina, who, let's give credit to East Carolina. They're, I thought their secondary played very well. They're a team that traditionally does have good talent in their secondary. Um, they really almost stole this game. It was 21-20 was the final. NC State wins. Leary threw for 211 yards, one touchdown, one pick. I He only completed 51.5% of his passes. On the film for me, Trevor, there's just bad decisions a couple of times he did throw the interception he had another play where he he scrambled around and he fumbled the ball um and then he did have three other passes that were broken up that easily could have been intercepted and he's somebody to me that when you watch the film does not have a power arm and to make up for that he's going have going to have to be a brilliant accurate decision maker and i think a lot of the times in his career we have seen him be that guy in this game, he didn't look like that guy. He was just forcing passes. He was staring down throws. Yeah. It was it was a tough game. It was a tough game. And it's not, you know, like you said, we're not calling the stock down. Like, I, I, Devin Leary wasn't a top five quarterback for either of us over the summer. But it's very hard to make it in the NFL when you don't have a big arm. It, you have to be more of a flawless IQ guy. And this game didn't really have any of those things for me where – you know, if Devin, Devin Leary wants to be drafted in the fourth, fifth round, carve out a long-term backup career, develop into this game-managing type guy, it, it's got to be better than it was week one. And I'm, I'm saying this because I have seen some significant hype for him in other places, and mm -hmm. unfortunately, I, I don't evaluate him that way so far. Yeah, uh, had two turnover, 
turnover worthy plays um according to our grades hey he had that interception as well the stat that sticks out to me though you're right with him not having a crazy elite nfl arm he's got to be pinpoint accurate and i think devin leary throws such a quick beautiful tight spiraled release that everybody is very enamored by the passes when they fire off of his his hand and for good reason i mean they look beautiful so a lot of those intermediate passes you just see come off of his hand and you go oh that was a nice spiral he does that often but you look at the accuracy stats from this past weekend 51 percent completion percentage and an adjusted completion percentage of only 57.6. So that's a more important stat. Yes. Having having an adjusted completion percentage under 60 is not good, man. It's just not good enough. It's got to be better from Devin Leary. It means it was, that it is your fault. <laughs> it was a it, it was it was it was a shaky it was a shaky first game from him. He had a 60.5 passing grade this past week and so it's just it's just got to be better. And we know that it can be better, but we're just monitoring it. We would have liked to see Devin Leary come out and make a little bit more of a statement. Uh, against ECU, but hell, that ECU team was playing with their hair on fire. Especially Dude, credit credit to so, them. Yeah, hard out, tough I mean, place sh- to play. They should have won that game. I'm not going to bring up the kicker. I'm not going to do it. Yeah, I'm not going to yeah. do it. No, well, now we did, but it was sorry, but it's tough, but it's tough. Okay, uh, n- another guy that I'm monitoring. I think everybody's monitoring at this point. Maybe even LSU as well as their wide receiver, Kayshawn Butte. We watched the game versus Florida State last night. Uh, Keishon Butte, he got an early target, but then that target was a catch in the end zone that was uh, broken up at the very end when he was kind of coming to the ground, so it didn't end up counting as a touchdown. He didn't register his first catch, I believe, until the fourth quarter. It's like five minutes to go in the fourth quarter. That and can't happen. I think he ended with, what was it? It was two receptions for 20 yards. That's it. No touchdowns, no nothing. And this is, I mean, like your go-to guy. Now, the reason why it's it's... I don't want to say it's totally stocked down on Keishon Butte, but it's definitely something worth monitoring is you remember when Brian Kelly got there and they were like asking him about Keishon Butte and he was like, yeah, I don't know who that is. It's like, Oh, this is okay. Kind of like a weird yeah. response, but yeah. it was almost He's one like, of your best players, Brian Kelly. Yeah. But it was like this. Okay. Like I haven't met him yet. He hasn't yep. been around the facility. It was almost, that was like, the line. It was kind of like calling yeah. him out. Like he was like, yep. Oh, like I haven't met him yet. Cause he hasn't been around the facility. Even beyond him not getting a ton of targets. Kayshawn did not look interested in that game against Florida state. He didn't. There was a pass that Jaden Daniels has. And if you want to sit here and say, okay, Jaden Daniels is never going to be a great passer. Okay. Maybe we could have that conversation. I know he's more of a running quarterback than a passing quarterback. Although I did think that Jaden Daniels played decently well in the passing game against Florida state. There was one play where Jaden put it straight on the money and Kayshawn was just running a simple one cut, uh, almost like a skinny post right near the end zone. And Kayshawn didn't even look for the ball. Like he didn't even have his hands up. And maybe, I guess it was a little bit earlier than Kayshawn thought it was coming to him. Or or actually what I think it looked like is Kayshawn thought the coverage was too tight and he just didn't even look for the ball because he didn't think the ball was coming his way. It's not a that's not great. That's not great. You're on the field. You're running a route. You, yeah, you gotta be in it, man. You've you gotta, gotta be, in, be it. in it. And there was, there was footage of, of Jaden Daniels on the sideline, having to put his arm around Kayshawn because Kayshawn like was looking like he was about to pull an Antonio Brown and leave the field. And it's just like, man, this is not good after the game, not to get too TMZ with it, but classic deletes all of LSU from all of his social media stuff, unfollows LSU on Instagram. Like, is this dude even going to play for Brian Kelly again? Because if this game's the last that we see of Keishon Butte before he declares for the NFL draft because he's pissed at LSU, Connor, that's not good. No. That's not good. It's And I know some people would be like, nah, 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 he's got good tape that he's got in his past. He can lean on it. He, I promise you he can't. I, I don't think it's just – I just don't think it's going to work like work out like that for him. So this isn't a stock down – because I don't know everything that's going on in this situation, but it is certainly worth monitoring as a guy who was a hopeful top 15 pick in the upcoming draft. So had to mention him. It was fascinating to me to watch how two teams that lost, but in my opinion, lost in totally different ways. I agree a hundred percent. Notre Dame and LSU. And one to me went into a brutal situation going into the shoe and 
really looked the part for a lot of the game until the end. And a lot of people were like, wow, this this Notre Dame team under Marcus Freeman, they're prepared. Sure, they, they're not Ohio State level yet. They still lost the game. Brian Kelly and LSU, it, there was so much chaos going on. It, well, Kelly's post-presser after the game, I, I listen, I've, I've been to Baton Rouge, some of my favorite college football fans I've ever interacted with, and that is not just buttering them up. Like, some of the nicest people, incredible time. I, the Brian Kelly era does just not inspire me, to be completely honest with you. I think they deserve better. Um, so, it's one week, but it I thought it spoke volumes, and, and I hate to be this guy. I'm staying right there for my last stock down. The Ali Gay headbutt is just inexcusable. Bro, it's, what was that? It's This is a team captain. This is somebody that only played four games last year, obviously got hurt, but there was big expectations for him last year to be a, a guy that goes in as a big season for LSU, declares for the draft. Only plays four weeks, so obviously doesn't get to do that. So now the bounce back story. Can you have a big year, team captain, LSU, go through the senior circuit, all those things. You come out and you make somehow one of the dumbest plays and that we've seen the entire week. I mean, I just... You watch the play a million times and you just can't wrap your head around it what the plan was, right? He's unblocked through the gap. I believe the tackle took the wide rusher and the guard, I believe, looked to help the center. Or he had, he had I think, Jaqueline Roy in front of him. So he's unblocked. He puts his hands down, Trevor. He puts his hands down. Dude, he puts the quarterback bro, and he, goes head first. It looked like a it looked like a Super Smash Brothers move. Yes. Like he just like he turned himself into a missile. And yes. the, 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 the the helmet was quite literally the weapon. It was that was the in a in an era where all of us hate what targeting has done to college football. That was it. Universally, everybody was like, Yeah, you can get him out for that. <laughs> yeah, I, oh, what, what everybody else, was like, hey. What else was he thinking other than I'm gonna hurt Jordan Travis on this play? And I I hope that that's not the case because I I I know that the game is fast. I know it's a bang bang thing. Like I I I I get that. And I, I'm trying not to oversimplify putting myself in these players' shoes. But there was no technique with that other than just launching with this helmet. It was it was a mind-boggling play. So I'm glad that you brought this up. Yeah, and and besides the play that was so dumb, so dumb, he didn't have a good game. He didn't have a good game. There's supposed to be big expectations for this guy. He had four pressures, two of them were unblocked. Two of them were unblocked. The two times he got to the quarterback, because the other two were hurries, the two quarterback hits he had, one where he turned himself into a missile head first, the other he was unblocked as well. He wasn't that good against the run. He just he wasn't very good, but when you cap it off, you're a team captain. I, if you have a bad game, so what? We're not going to get on this show and kill you. When you do things like that to cost your team, I, that's the definition of stock down. That is one where I will definitively say here, that is stock down. And this edge rush group, good luck surviving, because there are... There's 10 guys already that I'm excited for for this draft that are loaded with talent that burst on the scene week one. That was not good. Uh, you and I had fun going back and forth about this player, my, my last guy in the stock down. And it is a stock down, and it is Reed Gilbert, the tight end from Georgia. Wow. The guy who I had a lot of high hopes I don't think for. you have to do that yet. No, 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 no. Okay, but but here's the thing. And this, this, is, this, was, this is the reason why it's a stock down. It's not a stock down because I don't think that he has potential anymore. It's a stock down because with as little experience as he already had coming into this season. Yeah. He did not play until late in the third quarter of a blowout. And most of point. his snaps were blocking snaps. I also, when I watched him, thought, looked a little heavy. Like he did. And there were yeah, reports yeah, yeah. that he came into camp and he was a little overweight and they had to get the weight down. And so I thought he looked a little heavy there too. So this is a stock down for me, not because I don't think that he is – I no longer think he's he's has the potential of a premier talent. I definitely do. But if he's still a little bit heavy and he's still clearly not going to beat out Darnell Washington or Brock Bowers for playing time, all of a sudden he's probably not going to play a ton this year unless something drastically changes. And yeah. if that's going to be the case, well, then what are we doing if he declares for the NFL draft? Are we seriously oh betting on what we saw not. from LSU? Right. So that's why it's a stock down for me. It's more of like an outlook thing with the Reed Gilbert than it is a potential thing. But for somebody who I had in my top 30, can't remember exactly where he was. He might have been barely top 25. But for somebody who I had very, very high hopes for, 
if he's not going to get on the field, then we're not going to see that no matter what. So it's more of a situational stock down than it is a, a player stock down. But it is something to monitor. And I wanted to bring him up to be fair about it. And also because this is a player who is going to be in conversations for the first round that you've kind of got to be able to monitor a little bit here. No, it's a good call. It's You're evaluating the situation. And I think the situation is for Reed Gilbert. He's going to have a really fascinating decision to make at the end of this year because barring an injury, which we pray does not happen, he is the third tight end on the team. And this is a team that has plenty of room to play two tight ends in pivotal roles, but n not to play three. And I think they want him to, it's clear to me, and I know it's one game, but it's clear to me, they want him to buy into what they do with their right. tight ends. Right. Where they're probably looking at it going, man, you can be a star in 2023. You can step into Darnell Washington, you know, his role. But this year, it's it's going to be tough. And and if he that's not good enough for him, where he's like, I'm going to go to the draft, then he's going to be one of the more polarizing if, evaluations we have to do. If he's going to declare for the NFL draft, no matter what, at the end of the year, I don't know why he went to Georgia. Great point. I, I, I don't Great know point. why he went to Georgia. Now, if he, if he says to himself, okay, Darnell Washington's probably gone after this year. Brock Bowers yep. can't, but has a chance to get in the program for a year. He's seen what Georgia has done for recruits, getting them to the NFL level over the last couple of years. They will compete for national championships. And if, if he has that mindset where we're probably going to get him for another year, then I get why he went to Georgia. Todd Munkin might still be there. Obviously, yeah. the rest of that loves group is going to be there. Right. So, loves his tight ends. is going to get them involved. And it's so funny watching the tape of, of these players researching for this podcast episode because Georgia is just different, man. Georgia, yeah. Alabama, when they're playing at their best, they are bigger, they are faster, they are stronger. And it's every – And they're deep. Play, deep. It looked like that against Oregon. Oregon had yeah. no idea what was about to come to them. Georgia won that game before they even stepped on the field. And you could yeah. tell it immediately because every player was playing as hard as they could and as fast as they could from the second that ball was snapped. And that's just the way that Georgia goes. So if we get that mentality in a Reed Gilbert the next couple of years, still love him. But that's definitely something that we've got to monitor. Uh, before we get out of here, Got to talk to you guys about our newest partner, revolutionizing the world of sports betting and engagement by making sports fandom profitable. That is our friends over at Symbol, the stock market for sports. Symbol, S-I-M-B-U-L-L, -L, was a PFF sponsor last year. They're back with football season this year. Symbol lets you trade pro and college teams like stocks to earn cash dividend payouts when your team's win symbol took the thrill of sports betting and combined it with the profitability of the stock market to give you a platform where fortune favors the fan download the symbol mobile app for ios by searching s-i-m-b-u-l-l -L in the app store use the promo code nflse to really help out this podcast and we would love you for it to also receive a free team stock valued up to 150 dollars upon signing up the pff team is also getting in on the symbol action connor and i talked about this on the thursday episode of the show we will maybe we'll do it live on the show because the show is live on Thursday. Okay, can we spoil that now? I did want to get that in before we sign off. Yeah, I mean, this is the perfect people... place to do it. Yeah, go ahead. The Thursday shows this year are going to be live. And that's we, we were trying to think of what is the best way to get y'all in the show with us. And yeah. we feel like doing doing a live show on uh, for Monday's episode and Tuesday's episode, unfortunately for Connor and I, it's just not really plausible with our schedules. But Thursday, <sighs> right before Thursday Night Football, we want to go live. We want you guys to hang out with us right before yeah. Thursday Night Football. We'll get you ready for the game. We can all hang out, talk football. We want to be your pregame for Thursday night. Yes, we do. And it will be live on that podcast. You and I can buy and sell some teams. So uh, when you guys are watching and listening to the podcast, you can do that as well. Download the app, create a free account, enter the promo code NFLSC to get you a free stock valued up to $150 and compete against the NFL Stock Exchange podcast this season on Symbol. Well, that was going to be my exit was saying that we're going live on Thursday. So but now I guess what? It. <laughs> no, it'll be awesome, man. I can't wait to get the chat uh, really involved. And, yep. you know, for those that don't care about Thursday Night Football, it's it's not a show for Thursday Night Football. It's a show for all of football. So, yeah, right. it's we're, it. Yeah. 
we're gonna be we're gonna be covering the league as a whole on Thursday. Like the Thursday yeah. episode is still going to be our big weekend preview. preview. So yep. Connor and I are gonna go through our favorite games of the week, our favorite bets of the week, who's got the most on the line, what we're looking forward to the most, and then we're gonna try to finagle in like a half mailbag in there, you know, yeah. or, or like a live mailbag, which you guys can get in on the show but uh, we've loved interacting with you guys so much on twitter and on instagram and, and the youtube comments that uh we really wanted to dedicate a full episode to hopefully get you guys uh, invested and involved in the show so i'm very excited about that dude i can't wait a fun first stock up it'll be fun to track this year you know at some point when we get a couple of these in the book you, you and i will use this platform i think to update our big board now we're gonna let that breathe for a little bit but so people can track where that changes throughout the year. So I'm, I'm excited, man. It's week one. This is this is awesome. This is what it's all for. We got through the summer uh, pretty smoothly, I must say. First Tuesday podcast of the season in the books. First stock watch episode of the podcast in the books. You love to see it. Uh, Thursday, 7 o'clock? 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. Right? 7 o'clock Eastern. 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 We will see you guys then. Make sure you tune in. We want to hang out with you before uh, the kickoff of the 2022 NFL season. I'm Trevor. That's Connor. This has been the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. We'll see you guys on Thursday.